It is so good to have brother and sister Derry Crosley in this in this service with us today. Yes. Now, brother Derry Crosley, he's preached here before at Cornerstone. Um, he is originally from Spokane. He's a Spokaneite. And uh, if nobody else wants you, we want you. We'll, we'll claim you. You know, um, somebody once said, well, actually, when I moved here, I went to the library to check out a bunch of books on Spokane, find out what God got me in. And there was a book that said, Spokane doesn't know who they are, why they exist, and where it's going. I got news for the devil. This is one of the fastest growing cities in the United States, and it's fixing to have great revival. God knew a long time ago that I'm going to call them from the north, I'm going to call them from the south, I'm going to call them from the east, I'm going to bring them from the west. And it is great to have Brother Derry Crosley, it is great to have his precious wife with us. It is also good to have Brother and Sister Gary Hurst. Um, yes, let's give him a welcome. Let's give them a welcome. Brother, Brother Gary Hurst um, was in my home church the day that I got saved in that church. And um, it's good to have him. He now resides in, uh, in California and uh, has his precious wife with him. We're delighted that they are here. And it's good to have, it's good to have Sister Noelia with us here today. This is... This is Sister Nyla's sister, Nyla and Noelia. And it is great to have her here today um, in Jesus' name. It's great to have everybody. Sister Nyla had a retirement party yesterday, and uh, she had a lot of family and friends that were there. And uh, we're the delight. we are so delighted that they are in service here with us today in Jesus' name. Brother Derry Crosley is one of the finest Christians I think I've ever met. Um, that is without facade or veneer. That is the truth. And uh, when I first met him, there was just something about uh, his spirit. And then when I heard this man preach, it just, it just made it all that much better. He was a missionary for years in the nation of Argentina. And then he was appointed to be the super superintendent over all the Southern Hemisphere. And a tremendous man of God. He knows what it takes to have revival. He's developed men. He's developed churches. Uh, he's just, just a great man. We're delighted that he's here. If you'll put your hands together in introduction to this man of God, he's going to come and preach to us in Jesus' name. Let's give a hand praise to the Lord today. Jesus, we love you. Oh, God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings in our lives. Praise God. The Bible says his mercies. Yes, that's what it says in English, but his mercies are new every morning. Great to get up in the morning and know that God's mercy is fresh for me today and I feel that in this place I feel the presence of the Lord and the mercy of God and of course we always feel when we get together not just the presence of the Lord but that collective praise and worship and uh, I just never understood somebody who says I can just I can feel the Lord the same as out there in the trees as I can in church I guess it depends on what kind of church you go to but you know I, I can feel a whole lot more here, Brother Mayo, than I can feel out in the trees. I can tell you that right now. Praise God. Are you happy for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life that's real and alive? Praise God. Praise God. Great blessing to be here, and I have never been in this pulpit. Beautiful place, Brother Mayo. Wonderful place. And, uh, you know, I, I knew when I saw it that Brother Mayo had something to do with the design because it's made for running, uh, this church is. And I just, uh, I thought, you know, I, I don't think I've seen a church just made 
for running like I feel like this one is made for. And it is just great to be a part of this church. One thing I've always appreciated about the Mayo, his wife, and all of the people that make up this church is excellence. And you just come in this place and you can see the excellence, appreciate it. And I thank God for that because I don't think, I don't think we lose any of the Holy Ghost or any of the free-flowing Spirit of the Lord by doing things like they ought to be done and like they can be done. And the excellent way that we do things to God takes nothing away from the free-flowing of His Spirit in our lives. And I, a matter of fact, I think it makes room for that. It, it allows that because we're not worried about is everything in shape. It's already all in shape and it's ready for the power and move of the presence of God. I, I like that. I love that. I appreciate that, and I know that you do, too. doesn't just happen. You know, people, some people come into church and say, wow, isn't this great? It's wonderful. They think it just happened that day. Well, it didn't really happen that way, and I'm sure this building didn't look like this when you folks came in initially and looked at it. But it is wonderful now, and we thank God for it. Great to have so, much, so many of my family here and to be a part uh, with them. Very difficult to get us, three of us together, Nyla, Noe, and me, but great to be together, and of course, appreciate all the family and uh, taking advantage of that, and then to have my cousin Gary here, that is really a special treat, we don't, I don't think we've been together in who knows how long, uh, just wonderful to be here, and then Chris, Felicia, and Dan, and well, Roz, and Nyla, and all the kids, I, I won't name the kids, because I'll forget somebody for sure, and uh, so, just great to have her here as well. And my wife, great to have my wife here. I'm going to Houston tomorrow and uh, without her, and I know I'm going to feel that absence when I speak in that place. Great to feel the Holy Ghost, and I'd like to bring something here today, which is not new. As a matter of fact, if Brother Mayo had continued on in his just little exhortation, it would have preached all my message, and it wouldn't have needed to call me up here, but We'll uh, try and add a little bit to that so that not just a little blurb, but we'll add into that. But if you have your Bible, like to read with us. Um, one time I said that in church and I started reading three or four people out loud started reading with me. And they were slow readers. And I was about three verses ahead of them. They were still back in the first verse and loud voices. I kind of hesitate now to ask people to read along with me. But uh, if you want to read silently with me, you're welcome to do that. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we'll take two verses there and then go to chapter 14. We are in Fort Lauderdale. That's not the Bible. I'm just mentioning that. With our son, part of a great church, Spanish church. And uh, wonderful to be a part. When You know, I was the pastor of my son and now he's my pastor and it works very well I just want you to know we are blessed beyond measure and uh, three of our children are down there so we're kind of escaping here to Spokane feels strange to me to come in Spokane I appreciate me being a Spokaneite but it wasn't all that many years here in Spokane uh, but it's such a beautiful area. I, I'd forgotten really how beautiful it was, especially when you compare it to the swamps of Fort Lauderdale. So uh, very nice to be here and uh, see a little bit of green and not suffocate myself as I walk out the front door. 85 here is about 65 for us in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, it is beautiful out here. I could take 90 any day here. Uh, it's just it's a whole different climate. We love it. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 6 and 7. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks, in high places and in pits. Some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Let's go to chapter 14 and read the continuation of this scenario. Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass upon a day. In Spanish it says, It came to pass on a certain day. 
that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Megron. The people that were with him were about 600 men. Verse 4. Between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over under the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side, sharp rock on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, the name of the other, Sine. It says in verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over under the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. We'll skip down to verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, an half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. Verse 23. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed over unto Bethaven. Let's put our Bibles aside and raise our voice in prayer and ask the Lord to speak into our hearts today. We do need the Lord to speak to us. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your spirit and presence here today. Lord, we know that without you, God, it's just a gathering, but with you, Lord, it is holy church. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. I ask you to open my mind. Help me to open my heart to your word, Lord, that the word might be planted in it in faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. And if I put a title this, I'm not much for titles, but in, in Spanish, it's much better. But in English, I put climb until climb until and you'll forgive my references to Spanish but we lived in Spanish 29 years of Spanish in Argentina and 16 years in all of South America so 45 years of our lives we basically lived in the Spanish language and we've returned to it now now we live in the Spanish language in Florida uh, somebody I, I told brother Harold Sargent uh, yesterday uh, somebody uh, Hispanic was writing about uh, Miami and he said we love Miami because it's so close to the United States. And, uh, you know, you think about that a little bit, and then you live there a little bit, and you realize that's exactly right. It, it is close to the States, but it's a, it's a whole different, whole different uh, ball game there. Uh, but Spanish is really a, a part of us, and uh, most of my messages arise out of Spanish. Matter of fact, all my notes are in Spanish, but I'll try to get the English out here today. But the, uh, the truth is God has blessed and uh, anointed our lives and been with us in so many wonderful ways. And we have been a part of the church in very many different areas. It seems like the church is never in a total victory. And uh, I think we need to realize that in our own lives and not be uh, discouraged. Sometimes we're very discouraged when we get on Facebook. Facebook is a encourager for a lot of people, but it's also a discourager for a lot of people because they only see the highlights of your life. And so they see you always on vacation and they see you always eating good food. They never see you eating potato soup and broccoli soup and onion soup and French soup and tomato soup. They, they see you eating that big beefsteak that you got once in a month, you know. And uh, so sometimes people are discouraged when they look at other people's lives because they only get a snippet of that life. They only get uh, the highlight of the life. Uh, when we testify, we don't, most of the time, we don't testify about the hard slog of fighting the devil over the last 40 days. We just talk about the victory at the end of the 40 days and how God brought us through. And I think that's the right thing to testify about. I have been in some testimony services in South America, particularly where they just, you know, pop off with whatever comes out of their mouth. And one lady, I remember, she said, I just, you know, devil's been bothering me all week long, bless his holy name, you know. And she, then she thought about that and realized she was talking about the devil rather than about the Lord. So kind of changed her testimony a little bit. But 
that's kind of the way uh, people's lives are, you know. It's just we fight and we struggle, and our life is never really in a permanent state of victory. And that should not discourage us when we recognize that's true of every person in the Bible. It's true of every person alive. It's true of your pastor. It's true of any evangelist that comes through. We see each other on the high points, but we don't see all the low points, and we don't need to let everybody know every ache and pain we have. That's not our purpose in life, but we need to recognize that's how life is. You know, some people attribute all of that to the devil. I'd just like to... Uh, just make a little addition here. The devil is not the author of all your problems. You know, some people, they go out and they got a flat tire in the morning and look what the devil did. And as if the devil walks around with a handful of spikes that he uh, particularly chooses Christian homes to go and spike their tires so that they'll attribute all of that to the devil. The devil didn't give you a flat tire. It's lack of air. It's uh you know, something you picked up on the highway. It's, it's not the devil that's in charge of your life. You know, if you attribute everything to the devil, then you give him power over you. And the only one we need to attribute power to is the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. He has all power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth and under the earth. Not just a little bit. All power is in the name of Jesus. We don't serve a semi-powerful God. He is the almighty God. He is the all-powerful God. He's the omnipotent God. I praise God that I serve that class of God today. He's not just a little bit more powerful than you are. God is so much more powerful than any one of us. And I would like to bring a little bit of, of what it takes us to victory today because uh, sometimes we speak of victory as if it's a destination and that's you know once I get there everything's gonna be wonderful how many have had victory in your life from in the Lord has given you victory in your life now lower those hands how many of those the same ones that lifted your hands also have problems in your life right now isn't that amazing God gave us victory, but we have problems. Does that mean God is not powerful? No. God is very powerful. It means that we are weak. It means that we go back sometimes. Sometimes we slide back. Sometimes we're oppressed in certain ways. And those oppressions return from time to time. Maybe not the same addictions, and thank God for that. God delivered you from alcohol, and you're free from that. But there's something else that works on you. Something else bothers you. Something else uh, seems to uh, get at you every once in a while. And you get victory over that, and then something else comes along. And you say, well, is God not powerful? God is all-powerful. And yet that we need to recognize that we ourselves are human and we live in a human society and we will be human until the day we die or until the rapture takes place. We're not going to be different. God is not going to make us angels or cherubims or seraphims. They, they, they exist and they're out there, but they're not us. And I don't care if you do call your wife angel. She's not, you know. <laughs> that may... That may be her name or nickname, but that, she's not an angel. She's a human being. Amen. So the truth is, we, we are always needing victory. I don't care how much victory you have today. You need more victory. You will need victory next week. You'll need victory next month. We will need victory on our deathbed. Amen. We, we, we can have victory and still need victory. And I, I praise God that the Lord doesn't look down on us because we're not always in this high state of victory. I, I praise God he's not like that because then he would be always disappointed with us. Just a few times God would say, hey, now you got it. Now you're my, now you're my uh, son. Now you're my daughter because you're at that high point. But every time you slip down, you're not as much a son or daughter. I praise God that our God is not like that. And if you're at a low point, point here today, I want you to know the Lord loves you the same as he always loved you. And he has as much victory for you as he has always had for you. He doesn't look down on you. 
Praise God. When you come to this altar, it's the same God every time you come. He doesn't change. Now, we change. We change. God doesn't. So I look at this portion of Scripture, and to me, it describes a lot of my life, maybe your life as well, where God has given them victory. God has been with them. God has anointed them. This is King Saul, the anointed one. The anointed oil has been upon him. So he's not just a nobody. He's the people of God. Jonathan, his son. We can find basically no wrong in that man, in his person that's presented in the Bible. He's one of the most perfect uh, people that we see in the Bible. Of course, we don't see everything about him. But what we do see about him is beautiful and wonderful. And yet they had problems. They had issues. They had difficulties. So that's where we are. That's where they were. And we're still all the people of God. And uh, I, I know the world sometimes try to use that, tries to use that at, to a disadvantage to us. And they try to say, well, if your God was so, so all-powerful, how come you're in such miserable circumstances? You know, your God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Why didn't he at least give you one? Because I'm telling you, you don't even have a mouse hardly. You know, you, you're poor. And, and, and they use that against us sometimes as the people of God. Well, if your God is so wonderful, how come you're sick all the time? And, and we, if we had the answer to those questions, we could write our own Bible. But it's not even in our Bible as to why that is so. It just is. We just do have these issues that does not in any way take away from the God that we serve. I don't care if God doesn't provide us anything. I don't care if God never heals us. I don't care if God never lifts us up. He's still the same God. He still has all things in his power. And he can do whatever he desires to do in our lives today. Nothing takes away from that. Nothing. But here in this portion of scripture, we find really two bands of people. And uh, the one band is a fearful band, a uh, fearful group of people. And the other group of people is only two. That's not a very big group. But it is a group of faith. And I would like us to just examine very briefly here these two groups and recognize that we can be a part of either group. And it seems like, uh, I don't like to refer to the pandemic. I hope it's, you know, it's never going to be over. It's just like the flu has always been around and there'll be something else come along. So I don't think we need to put a whole lot of importance in it. But it certainly did uh, show something about our culture and our society worldwide. It wasn't just here. It was worldwide. It showed that people basically by nature are fearful. People are, it's easy to fear. We sometimes don't think we're fearful until something either unknown or unexpected comes along. And immediately fear is expressed. Fear is exposed in us. And what we didn't think we were fearful, all of a sudden we are fearful. And we didn't realize we were, were that way. And so a lot of our world... Uh, a lot of people, period, have fear of whatever. I think the pandemic just exposed that. And uh, it, it certainly did in, in us as well, I'm sure. And yet the truth is, there is, uh, apart from fear, there is an opposite, uh, more than emotion, it's just an opposite feeling and an opposite uh, mindset. And that is faith. Now, we are not always full of faith, and we don't always have the gifts of faith, but we can all have faith of one measure and another. And I thank God it doesn't take a lot to do a lot. And so if you have a little bit of faith, the Bible says that's enough to move mountains around. That's enough to, to cause a mountain to be tossed in the sea, just a, a little bit of faith. So I thank God if you're not great faith here today, don't worry about it. Amen. Matter of fact, a lot of people that told me they had great faith, they backslid a few years afterwards. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you have great faith, little faith. The important thing is to keep the faith that you do have and keep that faith in God and express that faith in God. 
Say, God, I believe in spite of my circumstances. I believe in spite of my feeling. I believe in spite of it's just a little bit of faith, God. I don't have great faith, but I got some faith, and some faith is enough. Praise God. I praise God. It is enough faith in your life. You have enough faith to be used by God and to believe in God and for God to meet your need. And so the band of faith was small, but the band of faith was powerful. You know, the band of uh, of fear, if we want to call it that, was Saul. The Bible talks about him and his men. It says they sat under a pomegranate tree. Now, all 601 of them didn't fit under a tree. Just want to make that clear. Um, There's, I don't know any tree that big. 601 people can gather around underneath the pomegranate tree. What that was is that was an indication of a place. And I, I asked uh, Brother Chris uh, if there was a place in Spokane like that. Uh, he, I think he went and asked Nyla and Valicia. I don't know who came up with it. But he said, there's a place here in Riverside Park called the Bowl and Pitcher. And if you don't know that and your blank faces indicate you don't, maybe you can look it up just like I will after service. But anyway, a place that indicates to anybody that you speak to them about, oh, yeah, I know where that is. You know, probably here you would say Liberty Lake or um, I'm, I haven't lived in Spokane long enough to even know where anything is. But I do know that we designate places to indicate uh, a particular formation of rocks or river or tree or whatever it is. When it says pomegranate tree, that actually in Hebrew means under Rimmon. And under Rimmon was a place. Rimmon was a place of rocks. And under Rimmon were caves. In the book of Judges, it mentions this same phrase, Rimmon. And was referring not to a tree. The tree indicated the place. The place was a place of caves. And that's where Saul and his men were. They were in caves. They were in darkness. The band of fear was easy to be filled because they were in a cave. Any of you been in a cave? Uh, if you've anybody been to Carlsbad Caverns here? Okay, it gets dark there, really dark when they turn the lights out. And we were with a, a group years ago touring there, and they turned the lights out. I mean, it didn't take twenty seconds; it probably about ten seconds, and we were all wanting them to turn the light on. Please, you know, go ahead and turn the flashlight on. We we've seen all the darkness we need to see. You know, you put your hand up there, can't see your hand, can't see anybody. I mean, all of a sudden, we're in a huge room. It's probably five times bigger than this room right here. And it's a huge room. But you turn out the lights, and all of a sudden, the darkness begins to oppress you, begins to press in on you. And pretty soon, you feel like claustrophobic in a room that's five times this big. You feel claustrophobic. Why? The darkness begins to inspire fear. Fear begins to inspire all kind of imaginations of things that are, you have no idea that there's a wild animal. They don't, you know, there's no lions that lives in, in cave. They might use it for a den or something. They, they don't live there inside in the far, far reaches. But you feel like, hey, if a lion's here, he's going to eat me. I, I'm here. I mean, anything could happen. I, I felt maybe that was a bat that flew over my head. And there's nothing there. It's fear. Fear brings all kind of things into your life. Saul was fearful. The Bible said, as we read in the first verses, all the people followed him trembling. He's full of fear. Everybody around him full of fear. Now, it's no no question why there's revival in this church, because he has revival. Everybody around him has revival. That's just a part of the will of God and a part of the work of God. If you have revival, the people around you are going to have revival. They're going to be full of life. They're going to be full of faith. They're going to be full of praise and worship and, and wonderful admiration of the Lord. If you're full of fear, everybody's going to tremble and be scared to death. So that's why, that's why I don't talk with some people. Now, I'll greet you, but if you're full of fear... I don't want to hear your conversation. You know, there's some people, you know what they're going to say before they ever say it. Fear is 20 feet out in front of them. By the time they get to you, you already feel the spirit that they have. 
You just know what they're going to say. It's going to be negative. The Bible says Jonathan didn't even talk to his dad about what he was going to do. Why? He was full of faith. He knew what he was going to do. He believed that God was going to help him, but he didn't want to talk to his dad because his dad was so full of fear. He knew that if he talked to him, the, the first answer out of Saul's mouth was going to be no. Dad, can I go and attack the Philistines? No. They're too many. They're too big. They're too powerful. They're too everything. Well, what are we? Oh, we're nothing. We're scared to death. We're, we're fearful. We're trembling. We're hiding in the cave. And, and Jonathan said, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to be a part of something that's full of faith. I do not want to be around people that are full of fear. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to people that are full of fear, but you need to be full of faith. You don't need to let that what they have jump on you. You need to let what you have jump on them. Praise God. When Jesus touched a dead man, he didn't become unclean. The dead man became alive and clean. The unclean didn't affect God, didn't affect the Lord Jesus. He was who he was. And that's who we need to be as people of God, as people of faith. We got problems. We got issues. We have enemies. The Philistines are out there. But I'll tell you what, we have faith in our God, and God takes action for his people. Now, God doesn't take action just because you need him. And I think that's an important point that sometimes we forget. We think just because we have a need, God's going to meet our need. That's not true. There's needy people out on the streets. They're not feeling God. They're not receiving from God. Why? Because need alone does not bring God into our lives. There's, people, can, people can be on church benches for 10 years and be needy, and they need the Holy Ghost, and they still don't receive the Holy Ghost. That's not God's fault, but it's God's feel people with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes they actually get mad at those that do get the Holy Ghost. So look at that. That guy's only been here a day, and he got the Holy Ghost. I've been here 10 years, and I still haven't got the Holy Ghost. Boy, God is sure off here. God's not fair. It has nothing to do with need. It has everything to do with our attitude and our spirit and our mentality. If we have faith, all things are possible. If we have no faith, nothing is possible. I don't care how many needs we have. We can be full of needs and not one will be met until a spark of faith arises in our heart and arises in our mind. And all of a sudden that faith touches the hand of God and the spirit of God. And God is moved by faith. He's not moved by need. Hallelujah. I pray to God that we would all join the band of faith this morning. So I, I, I got faith, Pastor. Well, good, I'm glad, but maybe there's somebody that doesn't. They need to join the band of faith. You know, the band of fear, if you read this whole chapter, and maybe after service you could do that, but you'll find that the band of fear was confused the whole time. They just, in the cave and out of the cave. When they came out of the cave, things were trembling, they heard noises. They were all confused. They, they asked each other, what's going on? You know, if, a lot of times, it doesn't help us to ask anybody what's going on. We just need to talk with the Lord. We need to get faith in our hearts. We, we need to ask God, Lord, what's going on, Lord? I, I need to know what's going on. And how is my neighbor going to know what's going on in my life? You know, not even your husband or wife knows sometimes. Of course, sometimes that's a good thing. But other times, you think, well, maybe they could help me. Well, maybe, but you know what? There needs to be something arise in our own spirits. It says, I want to have faith for myself. I don't want to have my dad have faith for me, or even my wife have faith for me, or my husband have faith. I want to have my own faith in, in God that I know, not because they told me or helped me. I know because God has done I've seen it. I had faith in my own self for that to happen. How many of you have that kind of faith in your heart? You want that kind of faith in your heart. We need that kind of faith in us to join the band of faith and not be confused. 
It's pitiful. It is pitiful that the king who should have known what was going on didn't know what was going on. And he asked the guy, he said, what's going on? He called the priest, see if he can help us here a little bit here. He got there and it was so confusing, so noisy, they had no idea. The band of faith, they knew exactly what was happening. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they knew exactly what the noise was. It was God coming down to meet the need that they had believed him for. It was God giving victory to his people. The trembling and the shaking of the ground, it didn't confuse them. It didn't bother them. It didn't cause them consternation. They were happy for it. They were thankful for it. They were full of it. They said, this is the power of God on our behalf. We praise God. This is the answer. This is victory for us. We need to recognize the hand of God, and that is only recognized by the hand of faith. You know, you read about it. The guys in the cave, they actually began to curse. Now, they didn't they didn't curse in the sense of swearing as swear words as we think of. But yet they began to talk bad. Bad about Jonathan. Bad about God. Bad about their situation. You know, you get around people that talk like that. Don't stick around them. Don't stick around them. That, that spirit is going to jump on you. And it's not that, not that it has to do that. You can be full of faith enough that it won't affect you. But why put yourself in a situation... You know, if your cousin Jack is always negative and, and he knows who you are, he knows stands for you, it's not, not like you're trying to win a new person. It's like this guy's 30 years he's been like that. Why go around cousin Jack? You know, write him a letter or something. I know that's foreign to all these young people. What that is, you get a piece of paper. I know that's... <laughs> <laughs> I know that's also foreign, yeah. <laughs> a, a pen or a pencil. <laughs> some, some of that ancient moded stuff goes way back, you know. When they come off the ark, they had those elements in their hand, you know. <laughs> you know, there's some, some people, you don't need their spirit to rub off on you. Your spirit needs to get in tune with the Holy Ghost and in tune with faith in God. And you can, you can believe, hey, God's going to help us. Here's Jonathan. He talks to his armor bearer, can't talk to his dad, can't talk to his relatives, can't talk to anybody. But he talks to his armor bearer. He says, you know what? I just feel like God like to do something for us today. Really? Uh, yeah, I think God wants to do for us. Uh, how many swords we got? Well, they only had one sword. It was Jonathan's sword. So that's enough. That's enough. God, you know, it doesn't take a lot with God. Our God is so great. He doesn't have to have 200 people. Our God can do it with just two. We don't need 601 false people that, that have no faith at all, that are full of fear. These are supposed to be the people of God, but we can't really call them that right now because they don't exhibit anything about the people of God. But we are. That's two. We're, we're, we're the people of God right now. As a matter of fact, you read about it. The people of fear, Saul didn't even call his people Israel. He called them Hebrews. Now, that doesn't have a lot of significance to us, but it did in those days. What it meant is they were another nation, just like other nations, just like Moab and Edom and Philistia. We also have the Hebrews. But Jonathan, he never did say Hebrews. He said, we're the people of Israel. We are Israel. He said, we are a spiritual people. Hebrews is a national, a natural uh, human element of a nation that got together. That's the Hebrews. But we're not just Hebrews. We are Israelites. We are Israel. God is not the people of the Hebrews. He is the God of Israel. He is the Lord of Israel. He is the one of Israel. Hallelujah. I want to say today, we are not a denomination or a particular group of people. We are the people of God. Hallelujah. We are a spiritual people. We are not a natural people. We have a Holy Ghost spirit upon us. Hallelujah. Not only do we speak with tongues, we have faith in our hearts and a love for God and a belief that he's coming back. He's not coming back for the Hebrews. He's coming back for the Israelites. Right. 
Hallelujah. He's not even coming back for the Pentecostals as such. He's coming back for people that have a Pentecostal experience. Hallelujah. He's coming back for people that do have the Holy Ghost in their lives. For people that know what holiness means. That believe in a different way of living because our God is a different kind of God. And because he is who he is, that's why we live like we live. And that's why we are who we are. Hallelujah. We're not holy just because we say we are. We're not holy just because we say we are. There's a lifestyle. Here's Jonathan facing the Philistines. Read about it. There's thousands of them. They had a horseman. They had chariots. They had everything. And they're up in a garrison up in the, the hills here. Here's Jonathan down below. Where's dad? He's in the cave there. Oh. Full of faith? No, he's full of fear. Well, you know what? I don't need to talk with him anyway right now. I think it was, let's talk about the Lord a little bit. See, there's a little bit of difference. The conversation in the band of faith was about the Lord. You know, you talk to other people about things other than God. After a while, that just kind of, the conversation falls off. Conversation just kind of pales. You know, you talked all you could about all the kind of cars you could, and, you know, you're not going to have that car anyway. You know, you just open the Internet up. and oh, Look at that car. That's amazing. Six million dollars. I looked at some the other day. Wow. You know, there was no lust in my heart because I knew I'd never get to that car. <laughs> now, if they gave me just one road trip on a runway out in the airport, no, no planes coming, I'd like to do that. You know, where would I park the thing? I mean, you know. There's just a lot of things that you can talk to people about for a while, and then it, you know, it's not even more, how hot can it get? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, you talk to people, well, it's hot today. Yeah, it sure is hot today, 95 degrees. Yeah, out in our place is 97. Yeah, really. It's hot down in Florida, you know, we get the humidity down there, 100% humidity. You know what? After about five minutes, it, it can't get any more. Can't get any more humid, can't get any hotter. You know, it's just, it's not a really fun conversation once you got past the heat. Yep. That's it, you know. And then some people, that's their conversation. And that's all you can talk to them about. You talk to them about the Lord, like they get antsy, get nervous. They got to go somewhere, got to do something. You know what? For people of faith, we just love talking about faith. Just love talking about God. Hallelujah. What's God doing in your life? Oh, man, let me tell you. I think me and Brother Harold, we talked, I don't know how long, telling me about things in his life, what God did in his life. It didn't get boring. You know what? It didn't get old. It didn't get pale. It didn't just fall off a cliff. I'll tell you, it's just exciting to talk about God. It's exciting to talk about faith. It's exciting to talk about victory in the Holy Ghost. It's just exciting to talk about the Lord and what he does. And if, and if you don't know the Lord, it's really, really exciting. You'll, you'll enjoy it once you get in it. There's things to talk about. You have in common around the world with people. Of faith. Here's two of them full of faith. You know, the band of fear felt like the Philistines were invincible. If you look at your problems as if they're invincible and permanent, then you're going to be full of fear all the time. But if you look at them as Jonathan and his armor bearer looked at the Philistines, the Bible says they called them, they didn't even call them Philistines. They didn't even call them uh, army. You know what they called them? Uncircumcised. Who's that guy? And he's dressed in armor, you know? Got a spear, has a sword on his belt. Obviously, he's a soldier. Obviously, he's a Philistine. But they didn't say that. They looked at him and said, that guy's uncircumcised. <laughs> 
Now, that didn't mean anything to anybody else, but it did to God's people. Because to God's people, and I'm not saying we're exclusive. We, we ought not be exclusive. God himself is absolutely inclusive. But the truth is, we are, in a certain sense, exclusive because we, are a, we have a blood pact with our Savior and our Lord. We, uh, we, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. And that blood has touched our lives. It has touched my mind. It has touched my spirit. And so I am not just a normal human being. I have the blood of Jesus Christ on my body and in my mind. And it has cleansed me, the Bible says, of all unrighteousness. Doesn't mean I won't sin again. Doesn't mean I won't have a problem again. But it does mean the blood of Jesus Christ is upon me my life and it's on your life today if you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that blood has been applied to your life and you are in a blood pact with Jesus Christ he's not just a word it's not just a name on a church door or on a church wall he's personal it's your God. It's my God. That was Jonathan's God. I have a blood relationship with my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel. That's my God. And this bunch of guys out there that wants to be against us is nothing more than a bunch of uncircumcised heathen. Say, oh, Brother Crosley, that's really, I mean, you're making a difference between you and them. You know, we're all the same. No, we're not all the same. We're not all the same. We maybe all be humans, but we're not all the same. Those that have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're different. Not because we asked to be different, not because we tried to be different, it's because that blood touching us makes us different. The holiness of God touching me makes me different. I'm no longer an unholy heathen, untouched by the holiness of God. Rather, I am now a person of faith that has been touched by the holiness of the holy God of the universe. Hey, I cannot be the same. You know, that's like people that shook the hands of the president somewhere. You know, whether you like the president or not, it's ir irrelevant. You know, even famous people that are absolute horrible people in real life. But they play basketball well. Or football well. Or, what do I know? They do something. Maybe they're a government official somewhere. And you were able to Shake their hand. Oh, that hand. You know who touched that hand, brother? Man, that's not just any hand. That hand touched President so-and-so. Your hand did that? That hand touched that sports star who is absolutely a rotten person in real life, but... And not all of them are like that, but, you know, fame changes people. But the truth is, they, that hand to them. I know people that have touched somebody. I forget who it was now. In Spokane, as a matter of fact, the old church. <laughs> he come to church one, one day, Thursday, Wednesday night, and testified. I don't know if Nyla remembers this or not, or Noah. Guy gets up in testimony service and he raises his right hand said, this hand shook the hand of some political guy here in Spokane. Shook the hand of maybe it was the mayor. So, mayor so-and-so. I haven't washed it since. That was last week. You know. And, of course, you know, we all didn't think who touched the hand. We're thinking how dirty that hand must be if it hadn't been washed the whole time. But he was so proud that his hand had been touched by that political personage.
And folks, they come and go, and everybody in history comes and go. But Jesus Christ is the eternal God of the universe. And if Jesus Christ has touched your life, and he has touched your mind, and he has touched your soul, and you are not the same person that was, you were before you got touched, and it's even better than that, that touch remains on us. The hand of God doesn't lift up off of you. It remains on you. How many feel the hand of God still remaining on your life? You know that he's with you when you leave here. You know he's with you when you come here. You know he's with you at your work. You know he's with you when you get in your house. Hallelujah. The hand of God is still on you. And it's not a passing thing by some political personality. So we are different. You are different. And if you don't want to be... Well, tough luck. You already are. It's like telling, you know, people that, that were Pentecostal and leave Pentecost and they, they get away. They don't want to be Pentecostal. You know. You say, you know, the Lord can do great things for Yeah, I know. Oh, you do? Yeah. I, was, I went to that church once. Oh, you did? Yeah, I don't go there anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a different person. But they can never be untouched. You know. You can be untouched before you're touched, but you can't be untouched after you're touched. So if you don't want to be touched by the Lord, better, you know, better get out while you can. Because the Lord is powerful. He's wonderful. He's moving in this place. And you will be touched by the Holy Ghost. Now, God doesn't force anything. He doesn't obligate us in any way. But faith has a way of getting in your heart and your soul just like it did in Jonathan. It got inside of him. He said, hey, I don't care if there are 601 in the cave. God can do great things. Well, it doesn't take many or few. God can do something with us. And so I need to get here. I forgot when I started preaching, so I'll close it up here as quick as I can. Because I want to bring you to the point here. I haven't got to the point yet. But the truth is that when God does something in your life and faith begins to activate, what that means, what faith means is that there is a victory waiting for you. Because victory awaits faith. Now, the victory's there. And whatever it is in your life that's blocking your way or causing you difficulties. I want you to know that there is victory over that. There is. Absolutely there is. We could take testimonies from everybody here of the different things God has done in their lives. And I would warrant that every human problem has been in some way or another met by the Lord in our lives. Who's had God give you money when you had no money? Okay. There are some. Who, who has God been, has healed your life when everybody said it, you couldn't be healed? There are some hands out there. How many had everybody betray you and leave you, and yet you still found love and, and the power of God in the church? There's some out there. I can't think of all the other things. How many, how many don't, maybe you don't want to raise your hand, but there's been, there are people here that have been addicted to something, and you're unaddicted now. Now, I just want you to know, no psychiatrist that I know of or psychologist will say, I will unaddict you. You know, I will. That's right. That's right. And there's some great people and organizations out there uh, that deal with all kinds of these issues. But even, if I understand right, even Alcoholics Anonymous will not guarantee to free you. And one thing they won't promise is that you will not, you were an alcoholic and now you're not. One of their tenets is that as you begin to say what you're going to say, you say, I am so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. And, and, and it's, I in no way disparage that. I, I admire much of the work that those people do. But I'm just saying, no one can promise to unaddict you from an addiction. But the Holy Ghost has the power and the blessing and the absolute uh, way of removing 
God can unaddict you from your addiction, whatever that addiction is. And so I'm saying with that, there is victory for you in the power of Jesus Christ today. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how much or how little faith you have. And so here's what happened. Jonathan said, we're going to go start climbing. Where are we going to climb? Well, I don't know. We're just going to keep climbing. <laughs> God's going to bring us victory. Where's victory? Up there somewhere. He didn't, he didn't say, it's right here right now. We're, we're victorious. When they weren't. You know, don't, don't say you're something you're not, but, but don't give away to the devil what's not his. You have faith. That's not his. He never had faith. He never exercised faith. That was why there was never any way that God was going to uh, provide latitude for the devil in any way because there was no faith in him. And so that's where we, even though we're worse in many ways, we have faith and that endears God to us. You can have faith. There is, there is victory waiting for someone of faith here today. Whatever your problem and any problem you have, somebody here has been healed of it or freed from it or God. Now, it doesn't mean that those that had money given to them don't need money. They probably need it again. Nothing wrong with that. People have been healed of, healed of their body and still have something else come up. They need healing. Doesn't mean God wasn't effective. Doesn't mean there was no healing. God healed them of that. Now they got something else wrong with them. God can heal them of that too. And if the first one comes back, God can reheal them of that. <laughs> Hallelujah. The victory is waiting for someone to exercise faith. And the problem is we normally say someday it's going to happen. Jonathan said, this is the day. It's a certain day. It's not someday. It's not a far off day. It's not a different day. He said, a certain day. Jonathan said to his man, this is the day. We're going to see victory in our lives and victory for Israel. It's not we don't want fame. We want our God to be exalted. We want his people to be freed. We believe our God is able. And let's start climbing. So the truth is this morning, there's a victory waiting for you. But Saul can't give it to you. No one can give it to you. You just need to start climbing. You need to decide at this moment, I'm going to start towards it. I'm going to talk faith to my neighbor. I'm going to believe with him or with her. We're going to go up here together. We're just going to keep climbing, and God's with us, and God's going to do something. Doesn't need a whole lot of people. Doesn't need our whole family. It's just, just two of us is enough. You know, God, God can do it for us, Brother Mayo. I, I just believe it. I, I believe there's victory for me and, and for us, and, and, you know, can't ask you to give it to me, but I believe and if I believe, all things are possible. So I'm going to start climbing. Well, there's rocks in the way. Two of them even have names. Boses means slippery. It means it's something you continually fall down from. And sin is, means oppression, something that oppresses you every once in a while and comes on you. And those are in your way. It's like a tooth that's in front of you. You've got to climb over one and then climb over the other. And you say, uh, uh, God, just take this out of the way. But you know what? There are some rocks God does not remove out of our lives. Three kinds of rocks in your life. One is God will take it away. Say, Lord, I need this removed. And God instantly, bam, he frees you from this. The rock's gone. There's other rocks. It's like the tomb in front, like the rock in front of Lazarus' tomb. Jesus walked up there and he didn't say, stone be removed. He said, hey, you guys take the stone away. So there's some rocks we remove ourselves. Some rocks we take away. And then there's other rocks, they don't move at all. You just got to climb over them. And that's what Jonathan was faced with. It's something you've prayed about and it hadn't happened. It's you prayed about it and it hasn't been removed. You believed God and it hasn't been taken away. And you get discouraged and say, well, that's it. No, no. You just keep on climbing because there's a victory promise for those that have faith. God will give you victory. I believe that with all my heart. God will give you victory. It's waiting for you, but it's waiting for the people of faith to get up off of their seat and start climbing towards that and believing, God, you're with us. Yeah. 
You're our people. We're your people. Climbs over, climbs over. He's still climbing, and he looks up, and he said, you know what? God's going to give something to us from these uncircumcised. God's going to give us victory over these uncircumcised. You know, you need to quit thinking about your problem as an all-powerful thing. Then it's not all-powerful. The devil's not all-powerful. He has to ask permission to even make you sick, so he's not all-powerful. There's nothing in your life that is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. He's the one in your life that can make that happen. So when you're confronted with something, don't give it the power that it doesn't have. That, that's that's a, a, big, a big thing, but it's not all-powerful. God can make a way. He has a way already. He just wants you to believe that that's an uncircumcised Philistine. That, that has no reference to my God. That problem has nothing to do with the blood of Jesus Christ. I have the blood of Jesus Christ. I have the Holy Ghost. I have the power of God. I'm not a great thing, but my God is a great thing. And so this problem, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to climb over it. I'm going to see the victory. And when he got up there, he grabbed the ankle of a Philistine. And he threw him off. And since he was, had his hands and feet and climbing, he'd given his sword to his to his armor bearer. He said, you take care of him. So he, he grabs the ankle and he throws him off. And as he's going by, his armor bearer takes a whack at him. Cuts his head off or whatever off. So that's one. There's more of them. Yeah, there's more of them. He keeps climbing, pulls another one off, and Parma Bear does that again. They take that, they do that to 20 guys. And you say, what's 20 according to the thousands that there were? You know what? You don't have to win the whole war, you just need to win your battle. Just win your battle. You win your battle, I win my battle, he wins his battle, she wins her battle. We are going to win the war, folks. We are going to win the war. God is going to give his people complete victory. But I want you to know, you got to win your own battle. And when you get up there, all of a sudden, God took, he, in Spanish we say he took letters, he took cartas in, the, in el asunto. God intervened in the thing. Now, God's with you the whole way. He was with them the whole way. All these dead Philistines is a testimony to the power of God. But there's a bunch more out there. You say, how's all this going to happen? You don't need to worry how everything is going to shake out. Some people don't ever receive victory because they're always wondering, how is A going to get to point B? You know? And when I get to B, how in the world am I going to get to Z? You don't need to worry about it. What's going to happen 10 years from now? I don't know. If the doctor says you only have 10 years, believe God for the 10 years. You may get 10 more years. You know, you you don't know that far out. All we know is we're on this hill and we're climbing and the Philistines are up there. But God is with us and he's motivated us to do this. And so we're going to do what we want to do in the spirit. We're going to do that for the Lord. Would you stand with us this morning? Thank you for staying with us along here. I want to encourage somebody here today. And that is, there's no way in a crowd this big, somebody doesn't have a problem. Either Bose's is in your way or Sinai's in your way. See, I keep fighting the same thing. That's the slippery Bose's. And the the devil wants to make you think you'll never get over it. Jonathan's a a truth example that you can get over it. There are people in this congregation, witnesses, you can get over it. See, I hated that person all my life, and there's no way I'm going to give it up. Give it up. Get over it. Climb over that rock. I want you to know when you get over it, there's a victory waiting for you. There's, God has promised you a victory in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel it in the spirit. Somebody here needs a victory that Boses has continually made you slip down off of that. 
or maybe a sign and oppression that comes against you time after time and just presses you with worry and you have no reason to do that, but it's there with you. You can get over that. You can get over that. God is with you to get over that. God's not going to let you be, uh, he's not going to let you be embarrassed by the Philistines that are around you. God is with his people. You are an Israelite in the spirit. So here's what we're going to do today. I just don't want everybody to come up here right off, but I would like for some couples to come up here. Maybe it's two young people. Maybe it's a young lady, get another young lady. Young man, get another young man. But I I believe that we need to grab our armor bearer by the hand, by the shoulder, and we need to come before the Lord and thank him and believe him and say, Jesus, I believe, Lord, you have a victory for us. If it's you and your wife, you know, maybe know what the issue is that you need. You need God to answer you. You need the power of God in this particular thing. And maybe nobody else knows it, but you guys know it. Then grab together with your armor bearer and believe together. As he said, everything that's in your heart, that's in mine. Every faith that you have, that's in mine. The faith of two people together is enough to climb up and see the victory of God in your life. I wonder if I'd just like to make that call. If, if you would like something particular in your life done and you want a victory over that, grab somebody to be your armor bearer and just come up here and stand for just a second and we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't think we need to be embarrassed about this. I don't think Jonathan was embarrassed. He said, God's going to do something for us. Hallelujah. I believe it. I believe God's going to do something for these people that are up here. I don't think it's just an exercise. I think there's faith. The fact that you're stepping out in faith. The fact that you're heading towards those rocks in faith. You're heading toward those Philistines in faith. In Jesus' name, we have been touched by the power of God. We are not just any people. We are not just anything. We have, we have an issue here. We have a need here. Hallelujah. 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 Now, you may want to mention that need to the Lord. I believe your armor bearer knows that need that's along with you. They know what the need is. But together, we need to bind in faith that the uncircumcised is not going to steal our victory. The uncircumcised is not going to steal our faith. In Jesus' name, I believe God. Hallelujah. God, I believe if you did it for one other person in the earth today, you can do it for me right now. It is not impossible for me to get over this particular affliction. It's not impossible for me to get over this temptation that comes again and again and again. In Jesus' name, I believe it. Now let's declare some faith here today. You declare your faith unto the Lord. Say, Jesus, I believe it. In the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, you have done something in us. You have given us the power, Lord, over sin and over hell and over the devil. In Jesus' name, there is a victory for me. God, that victory is for us in Jesus' name. Begin to say it in faith. Begin to praise him in faith. Jesus, I believe in the name of above every name. That name of Jesus Christ. There will be healing. There will be provision. There will be God. You're making a way where there is no way. You will provide what is impossible. You will heal the body that the doctor said is not uh, available to be healed. In Jesus' name, I pray God. Hallelujah. Prayer of faith over this people. That in Jesus' name, we will see the victory that God has prepared for us. We're not just anybody. Oh God, we are your people today. Raise the voice of victory in your heart today. Lift that voice of victory up to God. Lord, I believe in Jesus' name that it will happen, Lord. Halabakatara.